Welcome to the Beltway Outsiders Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vaughn. I'm a lawyer, columnist for the Conservative Institute, and a contributor in many places where I cover everything from politics, law, and culture. I send out a Friday newsletter each week full of political analysis and the best articles I've seen that week. You can sign up and get all of my columns, articles, and podcasts delivered right to your inbox each week by going to thebeltwayoutsiders.com and clicking on the sign-up link, or you can use the links in the show notes, which are available at any time by clicking on them for this or any episode. And finally, if you like what you hear here, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you listen on the website, that's great. It would be better for the show if you went to iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, or wherever you're getting those podcasts and leave a review. Those five-star ratings help new listeners and readers like you find us, and I always look forward to reading them. And if you can't leave a review, sharing the podcast with others is usually how the show grows anyway, so that is always greatly appreciated. In this week's show, we're going to talk about the news surrounding the latest COVID-19 variant that's causing panic and a lot of just, well, panic's probably the best word to describe what's happening here. It's called the Omicron variant, and it's freaked out the news media. They were a big freak out in the markets. And so it's possible that this is a serious variant, but I'm going to go into why I don't think it makes much sense right now to panic over this variant just yet and sort of go over what the evidence that we do have right now and what we don't have. Along with that, we'll cover some of the latest COVID-19 metrics, which I think really help put things into perspective. If you know what the numbers of everything are, it kind of puts into perspective where things are when you're talking about possibilities and, and things of that nature. So I'm going to cover all that, cover this latest thing, and hit all of those points. So like I said, the new variant is called Omicron, and this became a big news story, mainly because uh, over the, over the, well, you know, we had the, the long holiday weekend, uh, which is why I didn't write a newsletter, but we have Thanksgiving come out, and it was either the day right before the day before Thanksgiving and right on Thanksgiving, all the news stories come and started coming out about the Omicron variant. And so you had Thanksgiving on Thursday, and then on Fridays you had the stock markets. Globally, they were all open in the United States. They were open part of the day, and they all tanked throughout the day. I went to bed Thanksgiving night seeing news stories about uh, tanking markets overseas, specifically in Asia. That continued into the morning uh, at multiple points throughout the day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down you know, more than 1,000 points. Of course, with it being so high, you have to look at the percentage points to, to know what that means. But uh, you know, the S&P 500, the Dow, and others, they were bounced around between 2 to 5%. I think it was around 3%. Everything was down. And it was all because of this one variant. If you looked in the specific categories of the types of stocks that were down on that day, it was companies that were very COVID-19 or pandemic sensitive. So your cruise lines, your gyms, places that get heavy, get hit heavy by the pandemic where, you know, if we had, if everything went into lockdown again, you're like, okay, well, these types of businesses are going to suffer again. And then the types of businesses that did great over that time were the things like your Pelotons or any place that, you know, your, your Uber Eats or, or your delivery services. Those, those were actually in the green throughout the day. So, that kind of showed you that it it wasn't it, this actually was you know the main news stories coming out with that the, the markets were down because of the news of this variant they're actually right because everything was moving and reflecting that type of knowledge people were freaking out about this type of deal so you had that happening in the markets 
On the political side, uh, the United States joined Europe and a few other countries enacting travel bans against South Africa and other places on the continent of Africa uh, as a, as a quote-unquote safety measure to prevent the spread of the virus here to the United States. So in, a, in essence, you had a full freakout in the political sphere with the White House you know, in the European Union doing this. You had a freakout in the markets. And during that time, we got the official name. For a while, it was just the variant. Uh, when it actually came out, I thought it was going to be the new variant, NU, which is technically the next Greek letter. Uh, but that didn't that didn't happen. Um, they actually skipped two letters of the Greek alphabet. Uh, they skipped uh, nu, which you know spelled that in you, and she, uh, xi. That's the next letter, and both of those letters got skipped. And so now we have the Omicron variant. Now, I'm fine with him skipping the first letter there. There's no reason to call this. Uh, you know, you know the Delta variant is one thing. Uh, you know, the Omicron's uh, one thing. Calling it the new variant would confuse some people. They're like, well, is this just new COVID or something like that? So I get why they're skipping that letter. That makes some level of sense. You want people to think about this as a unique variant if you're going to name it like this. And so skipping that one is fine. The next one, XI, makes less sense. Because it doesn't have that same impact. Now, if you read the reports out of the Wall Street Journal and some of these other news organizations, what they got from the World Health Organization is that they skipped that one because it's, quote, a common surname. And they didn't. there were certain cultural sensitivities uh, involved there. Well, the problem is they're, 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 they're pointing at China here. XI looks like the same letters that you'd use to spell the Chinese Communist Party's president. Xi Jinping, um, but it's probably it's not said the same way. The Greek, the a Greek letter is not said the same as a Mandarin name, and so this was a political decision to not offend China. That's why they skipped this letter. I mean, you can you can look at you can take all the different you know things that you want, and you can point at all these different things, but. That was the decision here. This was purely political on the World Health Organization's uh, level. Uh, it's amazing. I, I wrote, some of you listened to me because I, I started out writing in 2020 at the Dispatch, and I covered the World Health Organization in one of those pieces. I wrote a piece for them in early April, and uh, it was it talked about how the United States need to, needed to rein in the World Health Organization, and that piece still stands it talks about all the you know the political machinations that were happening then, still happening now. If anything, have gotten worse because we've been we're not able to figure out the origins of this virus because of China. And now, simply naming a variant is something that could offend them. That is where we are. We have the World Health Organization bending over backwards to lick the boots of this regime not focused on actually getting a job done. So that's that you know that that's where we are. That's why you have the Omicron variant. You don't have nu or uh, xi which I think is G or G. Well, I I'm butchering it. You can ask your your friends who understand the Greek alphabet. We skipped a letter, that's why. Frankly though, all the panic is unwarranted at least to me here, because the travel bans just aren't going to work. The vi- I mean, if you talk to health esper- experts here in the United States, they already believe that it is here, because this is not about 
a variant forming and, and, and showing up in one place and spreading outward, this is, a indica- this is a situation where scientists in South Africa managed to catch this variant, sequence it, and then alerted everyone that there was a new variant on the loose. This is not something that developed in South Africa. This is something that they found and said, hey, this is showing up in our records what are you guys seeing? You guys need to be aware of this too. And when this took place, everyone started finding them in different places all over the world. So the travel bans, which are affecting South Africa and and other countries in Africa, are going to be inoperative because this thing is already all across uh, the Europe. It's in, I believe I saw some cases out of Canada. Uh, you talk to any health expert here in the United States, they believe it's also here. We just haven't sequenced it and found it here with the appropriate testing. So... The travel bans are too late. If you wanted the travel ban to work in this, you would have to actually find out where it originated from and then go from there because we don't actually know if this originated in South Africa. That's the part where everything that we're doing here is just is wrong on that front. And if you don't, if you don't believe me on this part, um, I, I would actually commend you to listen to the South African scientists in this case who are making these exact same points. I, some of this, I'm just repeating exactly what they have said. Uh, there was an interview with one of the doctors who actually found this this uh, this variant, and they asked her about this question. I think this was uh, out of Reuters. A couple of the other news outlets interviewed her as well. But she's the doctor who helped find this and discover this variant. And this is this is what she had to say. I, I feel like it's important to listen to the person who you know helped discover the variant. So this is what she had to say. Looking at the mildness of the symptoms that we are seeing, currently there's no reason for panicking as we don't see severely ill patients. I also checked with the hospital, some of the hospitals in my area, and one of the biggest hospitals, they only have one patient currently that's COVID positive on a ventilator, and they don't even know whether it's COVID, uh, you know, it's Delta or whether it is um, Omicron related. We acknowledge that it might change going forward. But the hype that's been created currently out there in the media and worldwide doesn't correlate with the clinical picture. Um, And it doesn't warrant to just cut us off from any traveling and ban South Africa as if we are the villains in the whole process. Should not be like that. And she makes a great point there. She's absolutely right. They should not be punished for being the ones to find this. Because, again, this is not a situation where we know that this thing originated there. We don't actually know that yet. Like, we in the early on, we knew that there was a variant that originated out of the United Kingdom. We, we had traced it. We could look use genomic sequencing to say this one originated here. There was another one a little bit afterward that actually did come out of South Africa that we were able to sequence and say, okay, well, this is a strain that came out of here. There was a version that came out of, out of India. Actually, Delta was, was the Delta variant originally started out of India, and the first version of it started there and then spread out. So we do have ways of figuring out exactly where a strain comes from over time. We don't know that yet with this one, and so they are just the first ones to have discovered it, and we know it's already across the world. So, I mean, if you're trying to use a travel ban here, you would actually have to just shut down everything. And I think that was actually one of the reports before I hopped on here. One of the last things I saw was that Japan was actually basically doing just that, which 
again, I don't think is is the smart call here. It, because, again, you have to go back to what she says. One, if you're looking in the hospitals there in House South Africa, and they've got, they do have a situation where cases are going up. They say, they believe it might be because of this variant, but what they have right now are mild symptoms, and no one who is in the hospital with this thing, this, this is the key part here, the people who are in the hospitals are either, they've only had one shot of a vaccine, or they are unvaccinated. They don't have... Any evidence right now of a person who's vaccinated and also in the hospital with severe case? They don't have any evidence there's been any evasion of a vaccine by this variant. And you, you know, I know you're going to hear and you hear you've heard in the news, oh, well, there's special mutations on this one, and there's some that are specific to the protein, and maybe this will evade it, and that may very well be. But it doesn't mean that the vaccines are therefore ineffective. The, the vaccines provide you with a base level of immunity. Your body is fully capable of taking that immunity and using it to attack this one. And so if the vaccines are still working, and all the vaccine manufacturers are currently looking at this thing, uh, we're going to find out here. We don't know that it's you know, that is the case. And there's certainly not, the metrics don't support that that's happening in South Africa. The doctors are sitting there saying, listen, we don't have this. And you, if you want to ignore her, you can listen to, to some of the other health experts who are talking in South Africa who are talking about this. And they're all saying the same thing. They don't, one, they don't understand why they were the ones being punished. It doesn't make sense that that's happening to them. They just discovered it and alerted everybody. Uh, and because of that, they now have the travel ban. And now you have a situation where it is everywhere. How long are you going to actually keep that travel ban in place? Um, and, and it's about figuring out how this thing is going to get solved. Uh, the main solution is obvious. Get a vaccination, or you're going to be depending on your natural immunity. One of those two, uh, I, you know, I would suggest get a vaccine in either case. If you've got that natural immunity, you're going to be pretty well equipped to go after just about anything that this thing is going to throw at you. Uh, and so... This is the situation, and you heard her allude to it there at the end, where the media is really pushing a narrative that has spread throughout the markets, it's spread through the political decision-making, and we don't have the evidence to back any of these assertions up. I mean, politically, I don't think you're going to have a situation where we're going to have lockdowns again. Because remember, the, the, the main reason that the panic is not warranted this time the first reason is there's, we don't have the evidence to back up that there should be a panic. And the second reason is far more simple. We are not in March of 2020. We are not in that situation. We're not in that place. In February and March, when this was beginning to hit the consciousness of everyone, and they're beginning to learn, okay, this is, this is what's going to come here. We need to start reacting here. We didn't have anything then. We didn't have, I mean, the most important thing is we didn't have vaccines, even though we didn't know it then, but manufacturers were already working on a solution to this, and they had had one at some point in January, which is just astonishing when you look at it. Um, so, you know, we were all freaking out in March, and they had had a solution at some point in January, and it was a matter of getting through the government bureaucracy at every point after that. That's the astonishing part of that. But in any event, when everyone thinks about March 2020, they think about not having any solutions. We didn't have vaccines. Um, we didn't have any therapeutics of any kind. We were missing things like masks, PPE, ventilators. Uh, you know, we had, we just had widespread awareness issues of people and trying to get people to lock in and say, okay, this is an issue. You need to deal with this. And our healthcare system was being overwhelmed in that time. 
We're in the exact opposite situation with all this. We have ag vaccines. We have therapeutics. I mean, you, you've got the monoclonal antibodies. We have these new pills that Pfizer and some of these others are putting out that, by the way, the government needs to purchase. They've, they've, the Biden administration has slow-walked the bureaucratic operation of getting more of these therapeutics made. That's a rant for another day, but just know that that's also happening out there, too. Uh, we have plentiful masks. You, you can get a mask anywhere. You can throw a dart and find a mask around in this country now. We have plentiful PPE. We have ventilators out the wazoo. People know about it. There's widespread awareness, and the healthcare system is not overwhelmed with this. We are in a far different situation. And so to see a, a 2020 mindset in 2021 and heading into 2022 is extremely disheartening to me because it is the essence of undermining trust in both the public health establishment and in vaccines and everything else because you're effectively saying, if we've got to freak out about this, none of the solutions we have now. You're telling everybody that you don't believe in any of the things that we have right now, including and most especially the vaccine, vaccines and even natural immunity. This freak out undermines everything, and there's no evidence to back it up. You're freaking out and undermining all this at a time when you don't have the evidence to do so. That's bad policymaking. That's extremely bad policymaking because we have solutions here. And, you know, the, the thing about the vaccines here is that it's extremely easy to tweak these Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and the other companies. It's very easy to tweak these and have them target this specific variant if they wanted to. We've had multiple variants now pop up, and we have not had to modify any of these vaccines because they've worked across the board. You may need a booster to get a higher efficacy rate against some of these just to have active antibodies in your system, but the same formula is working across the board. We have not had to target one of these. And one of the reasons you don't want to target these is because, you know, if you're going after one specific variant, that may weaken the overall vaccine response against some of the others. And we've seen this. Some of these, if you have immunity, so for instance, we learned early on, the first variant that came out of South Africa was a particularly deadly strain. But what we learned was that if you had immunity to that, that immunity passed down to other forms of COVID-19. Whereas if you had immunity to a more a lighter version of COVID, which uh, the UK strain, which I think was beta, it was weaker. And so if you had immunity to that, it may not work as well against some of the other strains that would pop up. So you could get COVID multiple times if a stronger version of it hit you. So it kind of depends which one your body fought, but vaccines give you a general immunity response to this, which is far better than some of these specific things. So we have a very good response here, and we have the capacity, if we need to, to tweak it. I've seen all the manufacturers say that they could have this tweaked and start manufacturing out a new version of this that would tackle this specific variant in probably six weeks, 100 days. So think around those lines. That's probably what you're looking at here from implementation to manufacturing to cranking it out the door. That's a miraculous speed. You're not talking about years here. The, the, the actual slowdown and the hiccups that we would hit would be from the Biden administration, the FDA, and the CDC. They've slowed down everything else. They would more than likely slow down a response here by these manufacturers who clearly know what they're doing. That's the thing that's bewildering here. They know what they're doing, and they provide a response here. And then after that, it's all the red tape and the bureaucrats. If you've listened to me before, you know I've ranted about that. But 
that's where we are here. We have a cohesive response plan. We are also, right now, interestingly enough, in the middle of our winter surge again. Uh, we're in the upswing currently of numbers. It's not really happening in the southeast, like where I am. You know, the general south, southern part of the United States, Florida, Tennessee, Texas, sort of that corridor, a little bit over to Virginia, too. I, COVID's just not as impactful here because people, you know, it's a seasonal thing. If you're getting snowed in, like you're seeing in the, throughout the entire northern United States, the Rockies, the mountainous areas, uh, the northeast, where case numbers are all up, they're just more case numbers. They're, you know, it's not like that here in the south, so you're seeing an ease with numbers because our... Are you know seasonal swings here? It's not it's just typically not as bad right now as it was in the past. So uh, we are in the middle though of the winter surge starting to creep back up, and the numbers now are a little fluky because we're coming out of Thanksgiving. So if you're looking, you're going to say, well, you know, things were ticking up, and then they tick down, and that's because you just have about three or four days here where there's just no data, no accurate data anywhere. It's going to take a little while for that to clear up. By the time that clears up, we're going to be heading towards Christmas. So, you know, you're just asking a whole lot of the reporting mechanisms. This happened last year where we had a surge of numbers in towards the new year, and it looked like a surge, but really it was just a backlog of everything. Uh, and so that made it look like our peak was around January, you know, the first to second week of January, when in reality it was probably around Christmas when the peak was, and we were just sort of picking up the slack from there on out. But in any event, we are in a period right now. So if you look at pre-Thanksgiving and just looking at the numbers, and these are off the CDC's report website, it's statistics and reporting site. Uh, right now, we're averaging around 115,000 cases, new cases a day. Uh, if you go back to the previous winter surge, you could hit 250 to 300,000 in a day, easy. Uh, so we're we're on the upswing. These things had bottomed out at around 80 to 100,000 a day after we'd come off the summer surge. And so, um, you know, once you're kind of looking at this, you're saying, you're saying, okay, well, numbers are up, but they're not quite as where they were in the previous winter surge. And the same is true, not just the cases. Uh, the key metric here is hospitalizations. Uh, if you look at our metrics right now, we're sitting around uh, 41,000 hospitalizations nationwide. Um, after our summer surge, where things got up to around 100 to or about not around 90,000 a day during the, the the peak of the summer months, uh, that that's where the hospitalization spiked up to there. Uh, the, then they fell off a few weeks ago, or, or really about a month ago, they fell off to around the 40,000 mark. So we're sitting right around 41, 42,000 hospitalizations. So you know things are trending back up um, just a little bit. You'd expect them to go up a little bit more. Um, but when you're looking at all this, cases, hospitalizations, etc., they're about 50% from where they were at this point in 2020. At this point in 2020, we were looking at the largest spike of COVID-19 yet. It was just massive. We've had nothing that even equals it. Even the summer surge did not equal last winter's surge. And we didn't have any vaccinations in. There was just nothing there to help us out. And so... When you're looking at these numbers, you say, okay, things are going up. We know they're peaking. If you're in a state like Michigan, that's where it's probably at its worst right now. Even with all that, hospitalizations are not hitting peaks. And you're seeing a much better response here. And that's really and truly because of vaccinations and natural immunity. The combination of those things are providing a, a much better firewall that the virus is hitting. It's having a harder time spreading through this combination of natural immunity and people with 
immunization from vaccination. Um, and so the, the, if you look at the vaccination numbers, which are the most important ones now, aside from hospitalizations, these are your most important ones, we've administered close to 455 million doses of vaccinations. Uh, across the country, 59% of the total population, so that's everyone we have in this country, 59% of the country is vaccinated at this point. 71% of the adult population is now fully vaccinated, and 86% of those in the 65 or above category are now vaccinated. That's your elderly category. So those are people who you are fully and completely vaccinated. 86% of those 65 and above. That's that's really, really good. 71% of the adult population is really good. I mean, we're heading towards 75% of the adult population being fully vaccinated, which is something that I didn't actually think we would get. I thought we would hit 60% and then sort of peter out from there. Uh, we're heading towards and trending towards 75%. And, then, you know, it's three out of every four adults. I mean, I know, you know, people like to talk about the unvaccinated and all this and that and the other. 75% is really good. 75% is phenomenal, actually, is, you know, we're heading towards this. If you just look at people with one dose of a vaccination, you're looking at 70% of the total population has had at least one dose of a vaccine. 82% of the adult population, 18 and above, has had at least one shot. And then here's a kicker. The elderly category, people 65 and above, the CDC is reporting on their website that 99.9% 99.9% of the elderly have had at least one shot. That doesn't include Johnson & Johnson at category. That's one shot of Pfizer or Moderna. The Johnson & Johnson would count as a full vaccination. So close to 100% of the elderly category are now vaccinated. That's something that I actually thought was impossible. And of course, you know, these, these are, you know, metrics and estimates from CDC data, so... Um, but this is this is hard data. This is needle in an arm. This is not a, a poll. This is not a self-report. This is, I went to a location and got a shot, either from my doctor, from a place like Walgreens, or Walmart, or Publix, or Kroger, or I went to a local health department and I got a shot there. This is needle in an arm because we have an accurate count of who's getting these shots. So we are doing really great on this. And, you know, you look at those numbers, we're, we have people getting booster shots now. 38 million Americans have had a booster shot of some kind. I think that could, that's across all of them. I think they're offering the Johnson & Johnson one now. So 38 million Americans. Just astonishing numbers here. And so when you look at that, and then you look at our case numbers and hospitalizations, which the only conclusion I think you can come to is that the vaccinations and that whatever natural immunity exists, because it's impossible to determine how many people have natural immunity at this stage, and even a person who has natural immunity in a vaccination, you don't know how many of that cohort are. Uh, what you can see is this is super effective, and it's putting a huge dent in the winter surge so far, because we're about half of where we were at this point last year. So when you've got, particularly hospitalizations, when they're about half of what they were at this point, you're doing phenomenal work here. That is exactly where you want to be. Now, obviously, you know, you, we've got elevated deaths. People are still dying from this thing. And with numbers tending up, that's going to keep a pretty steady clip of people dying from this. There's just, there's no way to avoid that. 
Um, you can't avoid those kinds of numbers unless you have a vaccination or some kind of immunity to this. So I think that, you know, when you're looking at this data, it suggests that we're doing a great job. And this is despite a lot of, uh, of, of you know, of headwinds to sort of like this sort of thing. I ranted about the Biden administration's response to this in the past. I, you know, I've talked about different things that I think they should be doing and they're not doing. But the remnants of Operation Warp Speed are still clicking along. People can still get whatever vaccination they want. They are still readily available. You can get them anywhere you want. It's it's free. You know, I you know I've talked about them here on, on this thing. And it's just when you look at this, the only conclusion that you can come to is that vaccinations and in the combination of vaccinations and natural immunity are providing a form of herd immunity that we did not have in 2020. So when you're looking at the panic of 2020, it makes more sense then. It does not make as much sense now just because, I mean, literally, I mean we're talking about 455 million doses of a vaccination that have been administered nationwide, every state in the union, including federal territories. We're in a much different position heading into this, this winter's uh, thing. And with no evidence that this is a, a, a variant that's going to get past that or that it's, you know, getting past the vaccines in South Africa, this is a, a very concerning freak out that when you look at this, people are going to say, well, if they're freaking out about this, why would I bother to do anything about this? We're just all hopeless here. They're going to shut down regardless of whatever I do. And that's the wrong mindset and the wrong thing you need to be selling people to get that political buy-in. So, Right now, I think it's worth you know just recapping here. The limited evidence that we have right now suggests that Omicron is possibly less dangerous than Delta. We obviously need more study of it. So I think over the next two to four weeks, two is going to be the earliest thing, and that's probably going to be inaccurate. You're probably going to go in a couple months of data of data here before we really know. That one month of study is usually where you start to get good stuff because you can get a four-week study. You know your symptoms. You know the outcomes. You have a better idea of what's happening. That's going to give you a much stronger base to stand on to start making some of these things, these conclusions. Um but vaccines can be modified in six to eight weeks, maybe 100 days at max, and we haven't needed that so far. There's, you know, I've heard, I've seen some stuff from Moderna suggesting that they could do it and they may do it, but we've seen hints from this from their CEOs, from Pfizer, Moderna, and the others before, and it hasn't ended up happening. We have to have strong evidence that we need a new attack plan against this before we do anything, and there's no evidence that we do yet. It's still too early, and the panic just doesn't make any sense. So there's also no evidence this thing is going to evade any of the medication things that we have here that provide better outcomes either. So there's just a lot we don't know. And so premature panic makes very little sense. One of the first, I went back and looked at this because I wrote a column for the Conservative Institute sort of talking about this exact same subject. And one of the very first column that I wrote for the Conservative Institute on COVID-19, it was March 2nd, 2020. And it was just blasting the media's coverage of it because it was difficult at that point to figure out exactly what was happening. And the panic and the freakout and the meltdown in the media was just beyond the pale because what we needed was accurate evidence of what was happening, what we needed to do. And at that stage, we weren't getting it. And, it, you know, then you had the people freaking about all these models and this, that, and the other, and none of those bad things ended up happening. And that, that didn't happen in the year when we didn't have any solutions. 
So you have to look at where we are, what our metrics are, what we know, and then plan from there and move accordingly. You have to assume that Omicron is already here. You have to assume it's far more widespread than it already is because this is about a detection thing. And we do not have a good testing network right now in the United States because of what the FDA and the CDC have done of the Biden administration making tests more difficult to get. That's something that's also an rant for another day. But you can look at some of the stuff they've done. It makes no sense. So you can get these tests dirt cheap in Europe. You can't hear. That's caused a lot of problems. And it's all up to the FDA and CDC on that front. So, you know, with all that, I, I don't think there's a, a need to panic over this, especially if you are vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, it makes very little sense to, to freak out about this. This is still a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And those, I mean, if you don't have any natural immunity, you're basically throwing or die, throwing dice on the table to figure out whether or not you can handle this or not. If you're a certain age and of a certain health pattern, maybe you can. I've seen it knock out people who are completely healthy before. So, you know, this is one of those things where if you're unvaccinated, you're still dealing with this far more. If you're vaccinated, this is borderline a non-event. If you're vaccinated plus a booster, I think it's really a non-event. Um, because everyone's going to end up getting COVID. That's just that's just the end result of all this. Everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to be exposed. The only question is whether or not you have immunity on your side. If you do, you're good. If you don't, you know, that, that's just the end story here. The goal is to make this endemic, not a pandemic. And we, if you're, if you're vaccinated, this basically is endemic because all of the, the threat that it poses to you is practically vanished. So if you're vaccinated, you're free, and you're fine. If you're not, this is still a threat. And who knows what kind of threat this poses if you don't have immunity of any kind. So that's about the sum total of it. Um, I don't really have much there to add beyond that. It's just, it's really concerning and and disheartening, really, to see these freakouts, to see these travel bans that obviously are going to have no impact whatsoever on on how we're going to control this because it's already outside of South Africa. And it wasn't even a complete travel ban. There's still exceptions to it. So it's going to get out, even if you needed the travel ban to work here. And it's not because it's already outside those countries. So this is a failed policy and a freakout. The White House should have just said something simple like, we're aware, you know, this is happening. There's no real evidence here that we need to do anything, but we are monitoring the situation. Please go get vaccinated. That's about all you have to say right now at this point, because that's all we know. You're going to know more in about a month, um, and that's all you can do. You have to rely on that data to come in, and you have to get that spun up and figure out what's happening. Right now, the people who are dealing with it on the ground aren't seeing anything that concerning. They're seeing mostly mild symptoms, which is a good thing. So this could be one of those things where it's a little bit more pervasive, but it's milder, which would fit a profile for, a you know, that's sort of the, with the profile that you expect, something that is far more viral is less likely to be deadly because it then what helps it make it more viral. It's not killing its host. That's sort of the logical pattern that we see persisting through this. So no panic right now. Just keep doing all the things that we've talked about on this program and elsewhere before. Make those smart decisions, and I think you'll be all right. That's all I've got for today's show. Questions, comments, corrections, or feedback, you can reach out to me in the contact information in the show notes or hit me up on Twitter at DevonCI. That's my handle. 
Look for my next columns on Monday and Friday at the Conservative Institute, and the newsletter will go out early Friday morning. We're back this week. Obviously, we weren't doing anything on Thanksgiving week, so make sure to sign up before that, and you'll get the next issue. Thank you for listening to this podcast and making it a part of your day. Remember, if you'd like to enjoy it, make sure to send those five-star reviews to help us out. I hope you tune in again, but until then, I am your host, Daniel Vaughn, signing off for this week, and I will see you guys in the next episode.